Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome along, Chelsea and Tottenham fans, to a bit of a, a special ahead of the game um, on Sunday. Uh, a blue is the colour and Owen the Spurs, kind of Chelsea Spurs combination podcast special. So we've got... We've got Ollie Harbord and, and Ali Gold sitting on either side of the <laughs> of the microphone, staring rather intently at one another. Kids gloves on, <laughs> just in case. How are you both? Very good. You? Yeah, all good. Good. And we and not forgetting, I looked to my left. We we've got a, we've got a, another Spurs fan. So Ollie's feeling a little bit ganged up on here. So just I, a I'll, bit. I'll kind of side volley. We've got Steve Ferruja, um, who's been part of the O and the Spurs podcast since since we really started it on Football London. But you won't be around for much longer will you Steve unfortunately no only a couple of weeks left uh, to get all my bad opinions out <laughs> we can we'll, we'll fit in we'll fit in a special Steve Fruge farewell podcast Fruge farewell yes yeah, yeah. a Fruge farewell we'll next go, week um, what we're going to do I think today a bit of a bit of a look back on the Chelsea result of the weekend obviously plenty of talking points from that uh, then focus on Spurs win at Newcastle then move on to having a look at the game on Sunday at Wembley. Plenty of talking points ahead of that game as well. And then we've posed a question to um, to fans on Twitter. What questions you want answering? So we'll have a little bit of a, um, a Q&A session at the end for both clubs. Uh, we'll start with Chelsea though, Ollie. You were, you were at Stamford Bridge on Saturday. Uh, what did you make of that? Absolute debacle. <laughs> um, that, pretty, I, I, I've, I've already clearly a, formed quite a judgment on it. It's a pretty decent tell. word to use, to be honest. Uh, no, the first half definitely was. Um, the red cards, you know, obviously played a big part of the game. At first, I looked at it and thought maybe looked a little harsh, but then looking back on it, it was a red card. I'd say um, it was one of those. That if you was, it was. It was just a bit rash. It was just he just got a bit carried away. Gary Cale found him quite high up the pitch and he was just going for a bit of a run lost the ball lost control of the ball and he just you know overstretched and and he was over the top and these days you know that's going to get you a red card but then the problem was after that they just completely lost their heads Conte talked about it after the game and he's right you know Sesk getting a yellow card to start by clapping at the referee sarcastically which I think they're going to try and you know clamp down on all sorts of of dissent these days um, and then getting himself sent off with a, again another rash challenge afterwards so that was really disappointing, and they just lost their composure. The goals were soft; they really were soft. I'd, I'd say Stephen Ward's goal it was well taken. Actually, it was a very nice finish. But the Vokes goals, you know, they were just simple balls into the box, and they just didn't deal with them at all. But even then, for Ward's, I I felt like N'Golo Kante's challenge on him was was really, you know, kind of half-hearted. He, he, it didn't look to me like the kind of battling, bruising midfielder that we've kind of been. You know, become accustomed to in, in his debut season. It to me, it just it, it just didn't seem. It, there was like a, like a lack of effort, lack of intensity, which I thought was just you know symptomatic of the whole performance. Mm. That there was just there was nothing there from Chelsea until they got to you know crisis point where they you know realised right we really do need to you know roll our sleeves up and turn it on here in the second half. It's quite interesting with Kante sometimes because if you look at the way he wins the ball often he just sort of does stick a leg out. He's not one that will come sliding in and make massive challenges. He's sort of he's very the... good at timing the ball yeah. so sometimes when he doesn't time it it looks like he's just sticking a leg out and he's not really getting himself involved. Um, but yeah it was just it was just a case of really losing composure and when you go 3-0 down it doesn't matter who you're playing in the Premier League you go 3-0 down at half time um, then you, you, know, you know you're not you're very unlikely to come back and get anything. They almost snuck a point. Um, I thought the the couple of positives was Morata. I thought came on was very very yep. good. Um, you know, not just his goal. Um, you know, the assist for Louise's goal was superb. Sort of the back header, um, and then other little bits of play. And, and Batshuayi was dreadful during the game, and he came on and made a complete difference. Uh, Morata. So there were a couple of good positives to take from it, but the first half was all negative. There was there was nothing good to say about it whatsoever. And uh, they really missed the likes of Hazard, just adding that creativity. And and it was, you know, it was just a dreadful way to, to start the season. You thought that they might get back onto it and, and put all the negativity behind them. And unfortunately, no, no such luck. Did that performance sort of just 
you know, encompass all of this negativity, all this, all these kind of doubts surrounding the club at the moment. Obviously, Conte hasn't seemed happy, even in his press conference on Friday. I think there were a few tetchy moments there when he was mm. discussing transfers, and and clearly he doesn't feel like he's entirely got his all his own way. And then obviously a day later, Nemanja Matic goes and delivers, you know, a bit of a midfield masterclass for Man United, and Chelsea fans are completely up in arms about it. And now you've got what a week until the Spurs game. It, it, it's all just there's a real negativity around the place. I feel at the moment. Yeah, I think there's a. It highlighted the issues. I wouldn't. You know, there was a lot of talk about booing at full time, and that wasn't really the case. If you listen, if you actually you look, think at that was the more video, aimed at the referee. It was definitely aimed at the. I'd say at half time. I, th- I got the feeling it was more aimed at the players because you know three nil down doesn't matter if you're the champions you're still going to get some grief from fans. Yeah. I'd say the way they fought back in the second half, I'd say that the booing at the end was definitely towards Craig Pawson than it was any of the players really. So yeah, there, you know there is a sense of negativity. There's a sense of uh, worry, I guess, but you know you just have to get on with it and grin and bear it and hope that the board sorts something out before the uh, transfer window closes. When you looked at that performance. And okay, let's face it, Hazard wasn't involved, Bakayoko wasn't involved, um, Morata was only coming off the bench for his for his Premier League debut. But when you look to that performance, what areas of the team, and, and I guess how many signings do you think would be needed to address a lot of those problems? For me, I think a lot of people have just kind of thought that the defensive situation's almost sorted itself out. But I, I feel like they at Chelsea have to be part of the conversation around Virgil van Dijk in the next couple mm. of weeks they, they were they were terrible defensively yeah it, it's the same issues that they had last season with balls into the box if you know that remember we were talking about it back in after January when they conceded the two header goals against yeah. Spurs a lot of their goals conceded were from headers again and it was the same situation uh, you know obviously there was balls into the box they just didn't deal with but even then there were just so many unforgivable moments like the, the third goal before the cross even comes in I mean it's, mm. it's unforgivable defending once the ball gets into the area but to just let I think it was Goodmanson played the ball to Stephen DeFore and he just walks about 10-15 yeah. yards completely unopposed and has you know the, the time and freedom to just pick out a cross and put it on well I think that's head. what Conte was talking about after the game when he was talking about composure and yeah. actually getting themselves into the game and the way he was talking about it I just don't think they they lost their heads really um, they just didn't switch on to any situation um, and they were more wound up with what was going on with the referee and everything like that than they did the actual game so it's one of those you just have to put behind them and look look ahead to Sunday and hope that they just put in a better performance than they did Do you think they might get someone in before Sunday? I think they yeah I think they will do um, I think the most likely ones at the moment I mean Danny Drinkwater probably is the most likely I mean I'm not I'm not wholly sold on that <laughs> idea but at the moment it's needs must isn't it really um I think Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain could be one, but you know Arsenal aren't going to give him up lightly. I don't think they're not going to give him up cheaply. And negotiations on that might be a lot you, longer than they should. Do you should. think Arsenal might play the game a bit and, and prolong that until deadline day? I think they in can order do, yeah. in order to you know put Chelsea at a disadvantage across the next two games. I think they absolutely can do, yeah, and I think they will absolutely just to get as much money out of it as possible as well. Yeah. Okay. Just just to conclude. How many signings would you make, and, and, and what? Eleven. Yeah. Well, there's that. Well, there's no. that. All the um, I would say um, I think wing backs is massive. I think you know you saw Moses. Was that not one play. of the big problems for you on Saturday? Um, a little bit because you lose that you lose that edge going forward with Aspilicueta on the right wing yeah. back role. He's a he's a good player, but he's more defensive minded, and he's yeah. now got into this situation with Conte. He plays in a very defensive role, so you put stick him right wing back, and he's going to be like that. So there's no backup there. Uh, Alonso didn't have a bad game I didn't thought he, I didn't think he was dreadful um, so also had know, to kind of mine Jeremy Boga in front of him yeah well. exactly and then, and then they lost afternoon for him. and then they lost you know Boga obviously had to come off so it was difficult for him to really get forward and influence the game as much yeah. as he wanted to um, but they still need backup because there's no one else there in that position so they definitely need those two positions and then now we're seeing the central midfield conundrum of what happens on Sunday whether Bakioka gets rushed back into the side, whether Louise comes in and plays that, it just opens up again that they need more. And then creativity as well. When Hazard wasn't playing, they had no creativity really going forward. Willian is a superb player, but at times he flattered to deceive on Saturday. He got the ball lots, but apart from the goal, uh, the crossing from Morata didn't really do a great amount. But it was a bit difficult as well when he didn't have a great amount of support around him. 
So from all the gloom and doom surrounding Chelsea to a couple of grins on the other side of the microphone, <laughs> um, Spurs, given that Manchester United later in the day put out a bit of a statement, City the, the day before not a, not convincing, but at the same time they kind of landed a bit of a statement of their own going and getting the win. What what did you make of Spurs' performance, Ali? Did you think? Did you feel like even before the red card there was that sense of inevitability that that goal slash goals would would arrive I think so I think the word really is professional yep. I think that they just went and did the job it's been so weird around Spurs in the last couple of months you know finished the season what was it 7-1 6-1 wins and because nobody has changed in that team that won 6-1 and 7-1 everyone's going it's just gloom doom and gloom whereas we've got this kind of weird thing and I, I did a little bit on it the other day that Spurs have kind of come into the season with exactly, you know, the same team that did that. Other teams are bringing in all these new players, trying to fit them in, trying to get them to gel. And Spurs went into that game against Newcastle, albeit with Carl Walker-Peters, but other than that, with a team that knew exactly what it was doing, knew exactly how to set up against an away team, and they went and just did the job. Yeah, I mean, the red card, obviously, it was just, it was coming, the whole, John just little Newcastle kind of niggly fouls they were doing all the time you could see Shelby getting more and more wound up I do wonder with him and Ali whether there's a thing of maybe sees the play could have been in Ali because <laughs> you know they were so so highly rated wasn't he Shelby went to Liverpool and just never happened really did it at all and whether just to see someone that's younger that's gone on and done exactly what maybe he should have done and he was he was getting wound up and wound up and then you know stood on him it was, it was just an absolutely mad moment but yeah, Spurs, I mean, back to Spurs themselves, it was just professional. All areas of the pitch, even probably the weakest player on the day was Sissoko. And he still did a job. Well, that's a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you say that, he did really well against Juventus yeah. in that well, really I, competitive friendly. In the friendly. I, <laughs> I thought there were instances against Newcastle where he actually did okay as well. He, he teed up Ericsson for a, a chance in the first he half. He did. He was getting such abuse. He, he, he got say. forward a few times, which, like, obviously that's his job. But, <laughs> but yeah. it, it wasn't like last season, Suzuko. No. I think he's, he's changed a little bit. He had something. He does add a little something to Spurs. Yeah. There's that kind of power and pace, maybe, in the attacking slots they don't have. But is, yeah. he, is he sufficiently different enough to the options they've got in those kind of areas to... To justify holding on to him, I guess, because at the moment, I, yes, I, you'd, you'd argue that Levy won't almost want to concede he's made a mistake mm. by accepting a lesser fee for him. So, right now, I'd imagine that he probably would form part of Poch's, you know, first team plans for the season. Yeah. Does he? Does he offer? <laughs> I don't want to say does he <laughs> offer anything. I came very close to to saying that, but can you see? Potentially a role of sorts for him this season. Yeah, unless they bring it, if they bring in someone else that has a bit of pace about them, then no, he's expendable. But at the moment, he is he's a different option. He's not a direct goal threat. I wouldn't even say he's a guy that's going to chip in with assists as last season proved. But it's just something about the build-up play, and he scares teams. You can stretch teams late on in games that maybe have tried to sit back and then have broke and stuff like that. And he does bring that and. I do, I'm kind of at the stage now where I kind of feel sorry for him, which you probably shouldn't for a guy who's you know who's obviously doing very well in life and all of that. But the noise when he walked off that pitch, I've never heard a noise like that in my life. Honestly, it was proper having to put your hands over your ears because the boos were so loud. Yeah. They are used to moaning about something up at St James's Park. Well, yeah, <laughs> they really are. And I don't know why they're booing. They've got 30 million for him. <laughs> what yeah. are you upset about? This is true. Who, who was the most impressive performer for you, Steve? There were a few picks in there, but obviously Carl Walker-Peters, brilliant. You know, did very, very well on his on his you know yeah. Premier League debut for Spurs. How? So I, th- I think. Carl Walker-Peters, it, it was just, a, I guess, a surprise that he did so well. I don't think people were expecting that. I think they were expecting him to struggle. There were a couple of times during the beginning that, um, <laughs> that the at the beginning where maybe you thought he would get caught out, but but he done all right. Um, but I'd, I'd say the best player on the pitch by far was Ericsson. He was fantastic. Christian Ericsson. I agree. Spot on. But the only the only trouble is when. People like Vertonghen and Alderweireld and Wanyama, Dyer. I know Wanyama came on later, but when they're all doing their job, you don't really notice them. Mm. 
they they just go about it, do a good job, and they're not noticed. But I think Ericsson, I he was um, he was brilliant. I was going to say satisfying, and I thought Ericsson was was brilliant as well. But satisfying as you know, as professional as it was, I can't remember Newcastle ever posing any sort of tangible threat to the goal whatsoever. No, I think Loris had two saves, one in either half, and they were just routine things. Yeah. They just, they sat back. They, they play like an away team, which I suppose is. You know, as a compliment to Spurs in a way, that if, if teams are going to do that at home, but they really shouldn't be doing that. I think, I think for Chelsea on Sunday, I think Ericsson's the biggest threat. I can see that, especially with the way that the midfield's going as well. Yep. To see him play the way he did on Sunday, if, if he does that against Sunday, Chelsea, the way they played, he's going to rip them to shreds just because nobody will be knowing to pick him up. They're going to have to play a bit of a mixed defence, a bit of a mixed midfield and he could run absolute havoc I think he's the one big worry for, for Chelsea at the weekend and the irony is that goal against at Stamford Bridge last season was the moment when Ericsson became just a different player just went to a new level he's been so consistent since that point well I think that possibly an argument in January if you were to assess Spurs kind of almost most dispensable option from the, from the starting eleven, it'd be an argument it would be him Potentially, yeah, potentially. He started it. I mean, we had all that contract uh, speculation, didn't we? It was just his head didn't seem to be in it. And it's just that goal, which was a fantastic goal. Yeah. And, wow. Obviously, you got the both assists for Ali's goal yep, against Chelsea did. in the follow-up game as well. And I don't know whether he's been given both assists for the weekend or not. It was a bit of a stumble into Davies' pass, wasn't it? Yeah. Path. yeah. I don't know. Fancy but... Premier League managers everywhere. Just <laughs> cross their fingers. Exactly. But, now he is... I mean, Jermaine Genus referred to him, didn't he, this weekend, um, and said, you know, the big clubs are going to be sniffing. And I suppose they've been there before, haven't they? But yeah. he's he's getting to that level. When you when you're that creative consistently, then you are going to draw attention, like you say, more so than the players that are doing their jobs just naturally. I know you're chomping at a bit to to talk go about on, the boy Walker Peters. So <laughs> I'm just going to. Just going to hand the microphone to you. Do we have enough time? Well, you know, I have in <laughs> I no way picked him up at all. I wish we could have videoed that moment as Ali managed to sort of readjust <laughs> in his chair to, to psychologically prepare for talking about one of his favourite young players at Spurs. So please do just whack lyrical. No, but it's, you know, I think we've all been there. It's great when you've seen a young player kind of playing for the U size and you just kind of feel there's something about him. That he's just got that little bit to him that you think could make it. But obviously... You can't be 100% sure because it's such an enormous step up. Uh, and then obviously Poch played that little mind game with us all involving London, which was very nice of him, and saying that he wasn't going to play. And then completely switched that around and played him and said he'd thought that all along. Uh, 99.9%, yes. He'd already decided. He tried to kind of fob me off with a bit of a, oh yeah, my English wasn't so good. It's like, no, no, no. And then he kind of explained that, yeah, he just wanted to take the pressure off the uh, the kid. And it worked. It is, that's man management, isn't it? I don't mind being used in a scenario like that because it worked. Um, For the greater good. Exactly, exactly. And, no, he was really good. They targeted him right from the start. I think the very first ball was pinged forward was an aerial ball to him, and he won it. Uh, albeit against Atsu who's probably not going to be going for many <laughs> yeah, aerial I challenges don't want to be putting balls into Atsu uh, no. many times but it was a even good at his feet I think that's probably a bad <laughs> uh, yeah. but no he did really well for, I think there was that moment when as soon as he won that header you could just, he just settled down nicely he tried to get forward I think maybe the one criticism I'd give him was that he didn't go at his man enough you know because the Spurs play so high up the pitch but it was lovely to see as well. Toby Adderold clearly had been given the role of like dad for the day. <laughs> and he was just every time like he wanted to burst forward Walker Peters, Adderold was actually putting out an arm and just saying, no, not now, not now, just wait your turn. And it was it just he marshaled him through the game. It was like you say, you'll never get credit for that Adderold as part of his yeah. performance, but it was incredibly kind of mature performance. And I think there's a little bit of a dilemma now. If um, you know, what, what do they go with with Chelsea? Because would you throw in a guy like that against Chelsea? He's kind of maybe staking a big old claim for it. I think that's uh, Walker Peters' performance as well annoyed Chelsea fans a lot because it highlighted a different style of what Spurs are doing to mm. what Chelsea are doing. Because if, say, Walker Peters had gone out on loan, Spurs would be in this dilemma of, well, P- Trippier's injured. Who do we play at that position? And yet they've given a chance to a guy that. Is is now you know t- he took his chance very well, you know Chelsea had five low knees playing for different Premier League clubs, starting for different Premier League clubs at the weekend. 
Loftus Cheek, probably the best Palace player on the pitch as well. Casey Palmer, Izzy Brown, I know got injured. Tammy Abraham looked pretty decent as well, and Kurt Zuma, of course. And you're just thinking, if some of these guys had stuck around, the dilemma that Chelsea are facing, you know, they might not be facing it. You might be throwing a kid into the game, but he could turn out to be an absolute gem, like Walker Peters was on Sunday. So you're looking at it, going, how? Why are they not doing this? And it just—it's the difference between the clubs at the moment and that system. I just don't get—I don't get what Chelsea are doing with the loan system whatsoever. And I think that possibly could influence Pochettino's stance on, on the transfer window a little bit. We Obviously, it looks as if Spurs are beginning to click into gear, belatedly, as always, as we yep. approach the kind of um, fortnight-to-go stage, I think two weeks Thursday until the, until the deadline. Um, do you think it's squad reinforcements and, and that's it? I... Yeah, I... I the only thing is that Pochettino will get will get a lot of stick if if things don't pan out um, over the course of the season. But what what what's the expectation for Spurs title challenge? I think it's got to be. We, you you can only improve, and we we came second last year. We came third the year before that. Very narrowly missing out on on the second place. So the only way we can go is is to to be in the title challenge. The problem with that is obviously the season at Wembley. Um, also, not being able to to pay the top wages that other title challengers do or potential title challengers do. So we, we've lost Walker. We're potentially looking at losing Danny Rose precisely because of that. And yeah, I I think the only way is to is to look at the title, um, but. I think a, a top four finish will be will be completely acceptable. Mm, it's a funny one, isn't it? It's kind of so many different Spurs fans at the moment. You've got the Spurs fans that want Spurs to throw caution to the wind, whack out big wages, whack out big money, completely destroy their wage structure and go for it. You've kind of got the next tier of ones that would just you know just like to see maybe one exciting signing but maybe don't understand how that would influence the rest of the kind of the wage structure. But, but could a De Vincent Sanchez be an exciting signing? In that he is a player who's young, you know, talked about a lot. He's, he's billed as being kind of one of the next big central defensive hopes in European football. Looks like a player that Pochettino would probably see as a project and someone that can come in and work with Alderweireld and, and Vertonghen both former Ajax players of course so there's that link should that not be seen as an exciting signing in, in some respect? I think it is but I don't think it's any different from what Spurs have been doing for the last 8-10 years in terms of signings it's just so coincide <laughs> oh god um, but that black mark yeah but otherwise it's the same thing it's a promising young player who it's it's financially wise the money they're talking about relative to the crazy fees going around it's still modest in terms of those it's yeah, it's another young player that could be fantastic, and Spurs could have a gem on their hands. But it's he's not a world beater by, by they any have, shape. They have to start winning titles at some point. Right? They've got to start winning <laughs> something because if this if they don't win anything this year, then surely Danny Rose's comments that he made a couple of weeks ago, he's not going to be the only one thinking that, and he's going to start thinking, you know, okay, we've got a great team, but what are we winning? You've got other people, you know, you can talk about what's going on at Chelsea at the moment, but all those players have got Premier League medals around the necks. So surely you've got, you're getting to the stage now where Spurs have to start winning something. They can't just be a project anymore. That's it's true. got to be a... I know obviously you know Wembley this year, they are moving into their new stadium next year, see how that goes. But it's getting to the point now, you're thinking, Poch is a fantastic coach, obviously. But where's, where's the winning coming? And surely it it's got to, to be something it has, tangible. It has true. to be something to, to, to do this. You can't keep going every season and going, OK, we're top yeah. four, fine, we're in the Champions League. When do you start actually pushing on to that yeah, next there, level? There's, there's the interesting argument. Is, and I, I'm not you know, wishing to make any definitive judgments on Chelsea too early. Mm. If, they, if they were to go and lose this weekend, mm. then it's already looking quite difficult for them, I would argue. Yeah. But... Would Spurs fans favour third, then second, and this kind of gradual build, or do you adopt the Chelsea model of finish top, finish tenth, finish top potentially this <laughs> yeah. season? Yeah. We've added Champions League football. I wouldn't rule Chelsea out. You know, dropping out the top four. I think it's going to be difficult for mm. Chelsea unless they go and get 
three, four key signings in the next two I think weeks. It's, it's hard to compare the Chelsea and Spurs model, though, isn't yeah, it? It's, it's hard to can't. Yeah, Spurs are punching that one. Yeah, like, absolutely. Absolutely. But there well, just you... has to come a time. They have to win something, which is... Um, and, you know, I, I think the there, might be, there might be some Chelsea fans that go, well, hold on, I'd quite like that model of, of stability throughout the season, going through to a new season, going, actually, mm. let's be quite positive about this one. You know, beginning of last year, Chelsea fans weren't particularly positive because they didn't know, you know, obviously they'd finished 10th. Conte had just come in, you didn't know how he was going to adapt to the Premier League. And you sort of look what happened, you know, Victor Moses playing right wing back and Alonso playing left wing back got you a Premier League medal. You don't expect to see that many years. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of Chelsea fans that wouldn't go anywhere near what the Spurs are doing at the moment. They'd rather have at least titles to celebrate and cups to be winning and, you know, finals to play in. So it's sort of a, a fine balance, I think. Yeah, Poch made a really a decent point towards the end of last season in one of his press conferences that the players at Spurs are kind of ahead of where the club's at. They've got mm. to that stage now where the, the club is probably scrambling to ca- catch up, which is obviously the new stadium. But the players are now at this point where they are looking to win trophies, they are looking to get bigger wages, but the club are kind of slowly mm. trundling to try and get there, and they will. Is that a message, yes. do you think, in a way? Um... That's why I, I think. I think maybe more to the fans, like a realistic thing. I don't think there's any point in sending a message to Daniel Levy. Pochettino is well aware of the financial situation. And there's some really interesting figures that came out this week. I don't know if you saw them about the percentage spend on wages against revenue. Spurs are kind of relatively around the same levels percentage to their revenue because Spurs' revenue is is crap compared to a lot of the other teams. They just don't have the um, you know the match day income that any of them have, the marketing power, things like that, and. It's a tough one because we do have the players, Spurs, to to win trophies. So I, that's why I agree on that side. Mm-hmm. I think from the players' point of view, I think they should be winning trophies. I'm not entirely sure whether the club can support them with the transfers they maybe need to do so. Mm. Okay, ahead of Sunday, hmm. Ollie, from a, from a Chelsea perspective, <laughs> I guess what need what needs to change as as simplistic a question as that might be, would you, would you be minded? Obviously. It looks as if um, there might be, and we'll come on to this in a bit, but there might be a couple of returns in there to the squad, possibly. Um, as Pelaqueta, does he start a right wing back again? What happens in central midfield? Does Morata come in to start? Well, Mor- Moses will be back, so Moses will start right wing back. So Aspilicueta will be skipper because he's he'll take over from Cahill, who's out for three games. Uh, he'll sl- slot back into the three. Um, I kind of expect the three to be uh, Christensen, Rudiger and Aspilicueta. I think Louise will probably have to play central midfield because I know Bakayoko has been back in training today but it just feels a bit early to start him. You know, he has had surgery on his knee so, you know, I don't think he'll start the game. I think he'll be on the bench, hopefully. Um, there's a big chance of that so let's see if that happens. Um, and then Morata, yeah, I think Morata has to start. I think he absolutely has to start. I can't see a way that after Saturday, the batch why he can start the game and Morata on the bench. Um, is, is, is there a suggestion that Pedro will make it this weekend? Pedro is not. He's not trained today. Well, he's been sort of sitting on the sidelines a bit today. Um, so there is a bit, still a bit of a doubt over him. Could that lead to Morata playing left of batch why? It could lead to a, a bit of a formation change with. I I would like to see a three bit more of a three five two, and have if if Louise does play then him and Kante holding a bit more and William playing just ahead of them, sort of a, as a bit of a you know number ten if you like behind them. Um, I just think Morata's wasted out on that left hand side. I really do. Um, you know if he if he wants to do that then he'll probably start Boga or Masonda again. Um, I just think that there's no point playing Morata out there. I think he needs to play through the middle. He was so effective when he came on, um, and hopefully he can be from the start as well. So we'll see. But you know that central midfield issue is a massive issue, and I just don't think Bakayoko will be quite ready to start. Do you worry with the personnel available? I, I, I mean, I thought that assist was was absolutely superb. The way he got that flick on, and mm. it was just perfectly timed. The way he dropped deep and, and reacted like that. Do you worry with the with Fabregas, for instance, who is your midfield runner? Do you worry about Morata kind of leading the line on his own and having that support? Because as you say, if Pedro wasn't to make it, if he was on his own and, and Willian is kind of your only supporting act, I just worry from a Chelsea perspective if you're thinking that it's going to be Louis. And I know Louise was the player to 
to go on, but let, let's face it, it was a bit kamikaze at the end for Chelsea, yeah. and just yeah. any player yeah. was playing anywhere. I think Louise and Kante will be given strict instructions to sit. Yeah, I think probably. I, I mean, but I think I'd rather have Morata in there than Batshuayi because the way that Batshuayi played yesterday, he just couldn't on Saturday. Sorry, couldn't hold the ball up whatsoever. So he wasn't really bringing anyone else into play. He was bouncing off him. Were you surprised how bad he was given the pre-season he's had? Um, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, it was just an off day, you know. Players do have off days. He's still a, a young talent. He's still pretty raw, so he's going to have off days. Uh, what I did like was the fact he fronted up afterwards, and you know, he came out on social media and said, "I'm really sorry. It was a it was a really bad day for me and the team." You know, it took a lot of guts on that, and he's quite a big social media presence. He didn't hide behind it. Um, yeah, I, I and I was surprised it was that bad. I've got to say, um, but. You know, I think Morata has to start. You can't go into Wembley against Spurs and your club record signing not start, I don't think. Okay. Selection issues, I guess, for Poch. As you said about Carl Walker-Peters at right-back, does he does he go with him again? Would you go with him again, personally? Of course. You would? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, potentially, potentially, he might come up against Jeremy Boga or someone, uh, Masonda perhaps, mm. and then the challenge... You know, it's just as daunting for a Boga or Masonda as it is for a, a Carl Walker-Peters on that stage. Yeah, I, I think Spurs will switch formation. I think they'll kind of match up a bit, which will help Walker-Peters. I think they'll go to a back three. I think Wanyama got those kind of precious minutes in the second half against Newcastle. I think he'll start. So, yeah, I, th- I think unless Trippier makes a miraculous recovery, I think Walker-Peters will start. Otherwise, I think so. Otherwise, Dyer playing on the, as a right-back just isn't as... He can't penetrate as much with him there as a right back, and uh, yeah, it's you know, it's. I think Walker Peters is going to get a big chance, and it's one of those where if he if he takes it, who what knows? about Davis on the opposite side as a wing back? What a free scoring Welshman! That's <laughs> two and two. Can he make it three? Yeah, honestly, he's he's playing well. He's playing well. He's never going to be a spectacular player. He's never going to be Danny Rose. He's never going to go and do an interview, He's you know, just before the, the season starts. Encouraging <laughs> the way he got into the box and showed that confidence. Yeah, to, he does it. He's, He's been doing that for a long time. Yeah, He's he always in and around the box, which which is brilliant, and it's great to see that. He's got his, his two goals in the last two games. So, yeah. No, I think Why he'll not? I think he'll 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 start and he'll play well. So, Hazard is is unlikely, is he? Yeah, I don't think he'll. He's definitely not going to start. I think it would even be a surprise if he's on the bench. Um, he was always a little bit behind Bakayoko in recovery time, so I think we're still expecting. I think even the bench for Everton might be a stretch, but hopefully, hopefully it would be. I think definitely after the international break, he'll be back. Because I think that'll be the big thing. He mm. has been Spurs' chief tormentor yeah. pretty much every game, so that's a massive, massive loss. Probably e- more even, than even even in the White Hart Lane game, I think he was probably yeah. the only player. I mean, I think there was a there was a chance when he went through early mm. in the when yeah. Costa and Hazard had a bit of a. I think Costa had a bit of a tantrum at him for not playing the ball, yeah. possibly. Oh, he had a tantrum with Pedro. Pedro yeah. He had a tantrum Sorry, with Pedro. Sorry, that was it, yes, yeah. with yeah. Pedro. Yeah. Yeah. So there was that, that chance. Barney. And then I think he missed one at the near post in the mm. with a header, I think, mm. that yeah, he think really should have buried. So that's a massive boost. The key in both of those games for Spurs last season was Christian Eriksen. And, and picking up those spaces between kind of that triangle, I mm. guess, of what was Matic, Alonso... Cahill with Christensen coming into that back line this weekend again I think you know that's something that's a key area for Spurs to exploit along with the runs of Deli Alley, they just could not mm-hmm. keep him you know keep track of him somebody and, needs and to pick saw, up Ericsson um, we've not even spoken about Ali's performance really on, on Sunday he just well, this does is his he, thing doesn't he he does all summer you know, destiny yeah, well, all, <laughs> every pre-season game if he hadn't kind of popped up with a goal you'd say oh he's been crap but actually, he just just doesn't stop working, and that's what it is. He looks like he's not really impacting the game, and he'll just suddenly come out of nowhere. He's developing into... Uh, I really don't want to use this comparison because someone else did, and it's far too lofty right now. But there's there's a little bit of the Ronaldo in terms of the, the late breaks into the box and the fact that maybe he's going to eventually become more of a, an attacking player than a midfielder. And I can kind of see where they were coming from. That he's obviously nowhere near that level right now, but I get it. 
I get what they're saying. Well, it's heavily caveated. Oh, sentence. massively, because I do not want to be associated <laughs> with he's Ronaldo. But I can see what they're meaning that in you know he he's getting so advanced now and he stays so far up the pitch. He started at Spurs as almost like a box to box midfielder, and now he really kind of moves out of this kind of the final third of the pitch at all. Um, no, he's. It's going to be a really good game. Really, uh, just some somebody else that's not really been mentioned is Dembele. I think he had a really good game at the weekend, and he played eighty-nine minutes, (laughs) not quite the ninety that we've been (laughs) hoping for. But yeah, it's good to see him back and being able to to play the whole game. And um, yeah, I think with Chelsea, with the players that Chelsea are missing as well, I think he might be quite influential. If he, mm. if he plays at the weekend, which I expect he will. I mean, it's feasible, wing-backs aside, it's going to be the same team and set-up that tore off Chelsea in January. More yeah, or less. Yes. Yeah, I think so. And Wanyama and Dembele that day, I think, I think we, we've we spoken about it a number of times on, mm. on, on Blue is the Colour about Kante's real big disappointment. Yeah, was, I think that was the one game last season where he really got bossed mm. in the middle of the park, and yeah. that was Wanyama. But then when the armor at Wembley wasn't no. so great. Come on then, Wembley. Are you? It, it just seems to be this elephant in the room mm. for Tottenham. What, what do you? What do you think about? I think Spurs' no. adjustment period. I guess there. Overhyped. I f- think. For me, personally, I I think games like Sunday are the ones that Spurs will relish and thrive. Mm. I would worry from a Spurs perspective when Stoke or West Brom rock up at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon in a massive stadium where the away fans are probably going to come and make a bit of a Barney and it's they're going to probably drum up a fair bit of atmosphere. Those are the games in which I would worry for Spurs to be able to really, to really almost not get up for it, I guess, but... Mm. Whether whether there's that there's that same attitude to approaching those fixtures, whereas I think in the bigger games, perversely Wembley might actually help them in some respects. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. I don't know if I entirely feel that one. I kind of, I think there's this big thing about how all these small teams are going to come to Wembley. It's going to be like a cup final. I don't see that. I kind of see a lot of them coming there, maybe being overawed by it the other way, and the fan allocation for away, uh, the the away fans is, is not much. You know, it's it's not going to be much more than it would have got a White Hart Lane. But for, for Newcastle's sake, yeah, I I honestly felt watching them on Sunday that was a performance trying to be born out of pragmatism under a, a team coached by Rafael Benitez, not giving space to mm. to Spurs and making them work for for their chances. They probably felt the expectation of the fans as well. New Premier League season at St James's Park. They're back in the big time. They're they're expected of the three promoted clubs to be the best of the three. It felt like they choked a little bit under that. Whereas when they come to Wembley, and I think the fans, you know, Newcastle fans, fairly fairly good turnout on the road. That's where I can see them probably having more joy against that Spurs team. And I'm just using Newcastle as one example. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I, I know where you're coming from. I just don't think it's as bigger thing as people are making out I think Spurs have played I mean we say on the road in a lot of stadiums I heard, I was reading something today about how the St James's Park, St. James's Park Stadium actually is very close to the Wembley dimensions apparently it's not that uh, and the King Power Stadium places like that are quite similar Spurs have gone there and kind of done the job I don't I don't know I mean we look at it like I know we're kind of going to Chelsea so we're going to a different area but obviously Chelsea have lost the last two games at Wembley against a poor Arsenal side you know, so uh, I think there's a lot. There's a lot coming into this one. I think Spurs, honestly. What was your record there last season? Uh, well, we certainly won one. Yeah, <laughs> oh, okay. the all-important uh, okay. match against Moscow. Right. Um, so you don't think it's that big an issue, even though you won one game there last season out of how many? Against against the four. Moscow team, even though hadn't you already so been five? When you were already out of the Champions League by then, or were you already out of the Champions League by then? I don't know. Well, Chelsea, Chelsea game, lost the biggies, didn't they? There as well. Well, beat you know? in the semi-final, so I mean that's <laughs> well, pretty, yeah, they, pretty, they pretty big one. one. They did that one, but no, we'll see. We'll see. I think both are going in with a point to prove. Uh, mm. 
And I just don't think this Wembley thing is as big a deal as maybe is being made out to be. The trouble is, if they lose to Chelsea, it's massively going to be a thing that's <laughs> going to be used every single week. In in that sense, yeah. would this be a fixture? And, and, and in You're some respects, must win, it sounds like, no. I was going to say this sounds like an idiotic question in that it's it's Chelsea, one of the best teams in the Premier League. So surely you wouldn't want them. But on the other hand. Could this be one of the more ideal fixtures for Spurs to start at Wembley? Oh, man, I don't know. I, 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 I've got this personal thing where I hate playing teams after they've just had a, an embarrassing defeat. I just think it's always a kickback, always. I don't know. I just don't think it is an ideal fixture. I think Chelsea will be up for it massively. The only thing to take it is the players missing. But I don't think it's going to be as cut and dried as maybe they're going to build it up to be. Mm. Right, right, team. Prediction time. Oh, God. Oh, we'll start. Man. We'll start with Chelsea. And Ollie, I, I, I mean, I tipped Chelsea to beat Burnley as well last week. But I, I, we all You will remember yeah. that I did say Burnley would cause Chelsea problems, yeah. and they wouldn't get it all their own way. Yeah. They weren't far off. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, maybe you're pretty much spot on. Maybe, maybe, maybe just, maybe just the, the two more Burnley goals yeah. that are needed. But yeah. Uh, Sunday. What do we think? Are you gonna? You, you don't. That I, I would suggest pessimism. I cannot. I cannot at the moment see a Chelsea win. I think the best that they can really go for is a draw. I, at the moment, I'm just being pessimistic about it because I just think if you look at the two teams, the way that Spurs are completely settled, uh, Chelsea are anything but settled. The players that Chelsea are missing, the players Spurs aren't missing. Um, the form they're both coming into the game game with. I just can't see it. I just, uh, I, I, being optimistic, I'm going to go for a one-all draw. But that is being, for me, that's being massively optimistic. I thought Jamie Carragher made a very, very good point about Chelsea yesterday in saying that you, your your whole mentality geared towards this fixture is don't get beat, mm. do anything, be a be a proper Chelsea team, go there and and line up, mm. Louise and Kante, don't do anything, just yeah. sit there. And just sit there and watch Ali and Ericsson. Let the players in front of you deal with, with the rest of it. Don't break from midfield. And and he looked at it, Carragher was looking at it and thinking, well, if you go and get a point at Spurs and, and and stop them from winning their opening home fixture, and then you go and beat Everton, which again is not an easy fixture. Yeah. Well, they haven't got an easy fixture at all. They got uh, Everton, Leicester, Leicester away, Stoke away, yep. City at home. Arsenal at home, yep. you know, they're it's not really start. tough start. And if they lose, if they go six points behind Spurs after two games, and then they go into the Everton game, and that happens, and you know, the worst happens there, you're looking, you know, you're getting flashbacks, aren't you? To 2015 16, you're really looking into, into the uh, darkness again. And those, I mean, you can see it from both sides of the coin, I guess. Carragher was saying, you know, if you go and get a point at Spurs and then, you know, get past Everton, that's, that's four points from nine. Mm. From your first three games before the international break, before deadline day, when I, I would suggest Chelsea probably will be busy right up until the final should minutes. Be. Yeah, they should be at the moment. Um, so I guess there's two ways of looking at it. But mm. you're you're going to go with a point. I'll go one all. I'll go one all. Now to the Spurs contingent. Six nil. No, I actually <laughs> was going to go one one, but you stole on that, so Ooh. I'm going to have to go more positive now. Uh, I'm going to go two one. Purely because of the players missing. Yeah, Steve. <laughs> Despite what Alistair was saying before, <laughs> I, I, I've been to Wembley a few times to see Spurs play, and I've not seen us win. And I'm, I'm just worried that don't go. <laughs> I'm going because I've just got my season ticket. Just got my season ticket. First first game as a season ticket. Just holder. don't go. What, what an advert for a, for a Wembley supporting Tottenham Hotspur fan. But, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I hope we win. Um, <laughs> I, I can see. I can see what you're saying. <laughs> what 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 Carragher was saying is that Chelsea will go in with that attitude that they will just do everything not to get beat. And we we've seen it the last the last few times that Spurs and Chelsea have played at Wembley. It has been oh Spurs should probably win yeah, this. Yeah, we have each time, and it's just not happened. Um, Sounds like a draw is coming. There. I know. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two all draw. Oh, two all goals. 
Go on then, Tom. I think one goal is going to settle the game. In which direction? Right. <laughs> Again. I'm just, building the suspense. <laughs> you've just taken Steve's worst prediction mantle straight away. Spurs. Oh. Spurs are going to win. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I've, I've got no... The the only hope I give Chelsea is if they can come up, come out on top in the in the wing backs battle. That's it, and they they could, and I, that that is the only possible kind of hope that that I can I can offer them. I, I think if Moses comes back in, I thought Moses in the home game last season was very good for Chelsea, and dived at Wembley. If he does that again, you know. Where he did, yeah. Same referee as well. Oh. Anthony this, Taylor. Indeed. Same referee. Yeah, I, think, I mean that was I th- and I think Alonso has to has to if it's Carl Walker Peters, has to bully him. Mm. Has to force him out of the game. A bit like he did Bellerin at Stanford Bridge. Yeah. Mm. I, I honestly be physical. If 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 I'm Marcus Alonso, that is what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm putting a challenge in early to say to say welcome to yeah. the Premier League. That yeah. that's how that's how you've got to approach that task. And I think, unless Chelsea can get some joy on the flanks, I, I, I think Alderweireld and Vertonghen will have a field day against Morata, I really do. Thought he was good against Burnley, but... Different kettle fish, isn't it? When it, it is, it, abso- and abso- absolutely. And I think what they, Chelsea are going to need from Morata, and possibly why I think him and Batshuayi would be good as a, as a duo... Is I think they're going to need him to pull out of Viral and Vertonghen into areas they don't want to go. I think he's going to have to pull him or, or Dyer if he's in the free. I think he's going to have to put, pull those players wide, and then you're kind of relying on Walker Peters or Davis to be to be getting back and making space for whether it's Batshuayi or Willian. Um, I think I think Fabregas is a bigger loss for Chelsea than than probably a lot of people are thinking ahead of this game. To be mm. honest with you. Because I think Chelsea are really going to need midfield runners, and to not have him as someone that can pop up between the lines, they're not going to have. Willian is basically, if Pedro doesn't make it, Willian's their only equivalent to Eriksen and Ali in being able to trouble Wanyama or Dembele, and I, I just can't see it. I really can't. So, most elaborate prediction ever. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna go for, oh, one nil. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go for one nil. <laughs> I got really, I got really into that. Uh, so thanks for caring about my yeah, opinion. Yeah, that was um, awesome. I've gone way over the top, and we're, we're probably we're at the forty-six minute stage. So th- this is looking like a bumper edition. Um, half an hour for each club. I think, yeah, probably. I think that's how it's gone. Yeah. So we promised at the start of the show um, that we would do a a bit of a Q and A. We got a few questions um, from fans on Twitter. So Ollie, I'll put these to you. Um, whether or not Chelsea should prioritise left wing back or right wing back and as a bit of a bolt onto that question what which players would you go for in those positions um, I think they have to prioritise a left wing back for the sake of they don't have anyone else in that position um, and then you know if you do get the likes of Oxlade Chamberlain then you have protection in central midfield and right wing back um, and Arsenal have rather foolishly been playing him at left wing back exactly and they have been playing him at left wing back which but I wouldn't like to see them sign uh, Oxlade Chamberlain as a left wing back because he's not an out and out left wing back Um, he's going to have more bad games I think at left wing back than he is good so I would say that they need a specific one I think the Sandro situation has been rumbling on for ages and Juventus just don't want to see him go especially after they sold Benucci as well they don't want to be seen to selling another big star um, so I think they, they should, really should target Ryan Bertrand. I think it's just one of those that I think that could could be a very very decent player for for Chelsea and someone they might be able to get if if they don't get Van Dijk if they could maybe try and nick Ryan Bertrand. Just on Chamberlain because I mean our, Arsenal were were terrible defensively, but they got three points, mm. so they are up and running. And I, I think. If Chelsea go out and get Chamberlain, do you think that all of a sudden might have a bit of a dynamic shift? Because at the moment, Arsenal seem fairly settled. There's a little bit of disappointment, I think, amongst Arsenal fans that they've not gone out and got another central midfielder. I think that is the the glaring vacancy in their squad at the moment. But they've gone and they've gone and broken their club record. You know, Chelsea have, and yet. Mm-hmm. 
it's like almost not seen as enough, which is remarkable, really. Mm. But I feel like Arsenal are a lot more settled at the moment. If Chelsea go and get Oxlade Chamberlain, do you think that completely upsets the the balance of it, and all of a sudden Chelsea might be one up on Arsenal in some respects? Yeah, I think so because you're talking about the Arsenal need a central midfielder, and you're taking away a central midfielder in Chamberlain. I mean, obviously he doesn't necessarily naturally play there for Arsenal, but I thought he had quite a good season there when he did play there for Arsenal. Um, would he start? Would he automatically go into Chelsea's starting eleven? Probably not. Would he go over Moses? Should Chelsea be buying players that, that who, don't who, do though, that? Who, who's around to, to to go into the starting eleven straight away that they could bring in? Well, would you go for Candreva maybe? Even he wouldn't go into the starting eleven. I mean, he's what thirty odd as well. Um, that's yeah, a very short sighted. Um, it would be signing. Absolutely, I can't really see it. But do you think he would? naturally as a 30 year old expect to go into that starting level whereas Chamberlain would probably arrive thinking you know I'm moving to the champions I've possibly got a bit of a point to prove Candreva you would expect as a you know, seasoned Italian international mm. would probably have an expectation if he arrives he will start over Victor Moses maybe uh, it's also difficult to know because players are uh Sort of promise certain things when they sign as well, yep. aren't they? About whether they whether they're going to be instant. I mean, obviously Conte's worked with Candreva, um, so whether he he would want to bring him in straight away, I just don't. You know, I just don't see it. I've, I've not seen. I don't think I've seen quite enough of Candreva to be really impressed by what he will bring. Um, I think Oxlade Chamberlain for his versatility is, would be a very good signing. Whether he's a straight starter, I don't know. But you know, if we were talking about this now, I'd be you know happy to say chuck him into the game on Sunday and he'd do a job. Okay, the latest on Eden Hazard and Bakayoko. We kind of touched on it, but where are those two players in terms of their recoveries? Well, they're back in full training, um, but not to the fullest of training, I'd say. Um, Hazard is always slightly behind Bakayoko. Um, he's they're both Bakayoko. Will hopefully, hopefully, be on the bench on Sunday, um, but I very much doubt he'll start. I think he'll be in the mix for Everton um, whereas Hazard is probably about 12 days or so away um, so yeah that's the, sort of the latest on them okay and wary that this is a fairly open-ended question and that we could go on for ages on this and we probably haven't got ages but I um, thought this was a really interesting question from, from one of our Twitter followers was has Thibaut Courtois come on enough at Chelsea for you I, I thought he was badly at fault for Sam Vokes' first goal mm, I thought Saturday. he makes some brilliant saves and he he does some fantastic things he's not overly dominant in the box and there was a there was an incident as well at the weekend where um, he should have come out and claimed the ball and he didn't and David Louise went absolutely mental at him to not come out and claim it and there is that element there but it's something we touched on before about this sort of idea of not having a second keeper that's pushing him for a place and there is that thing of you become comfortable especially as you're a young goalkeeper as well and you're seeing Willy Caballero as your number two you're thinking you're not going to nick me place really are you I thought the goal, the first goal, he was very flat-footed. I thought he didn't get across, and he's done that a couple of times in pre-season as well, where he's just not got across to the ball um, quick enough with his feet. He's obviously a big guy as well. Um, yeah, I, I mean, he, but he makes some superb saves at the same time, and it's... Uh, has he come on leaps and bounds? Has he come on like De Gea has? No, I don't think he has, and I think that's the issue, because they've always been side-by-side yep. in the Premier League, and he, De Gea has gone to the next level. And I don't think Courtois has quite gone to that level. Conversely, and I find this really, really interesting, because Michel Vorm turns up for training at Spurs every day and is just like, I am the number two goalkeeper. That's all I ever I have. I think he says that when he walks in. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he gets into That's the training exactly. ground. <laughs> oh, hello, Mr Vorm. Oh, number two. Okay. That's all, that, his, his thought process and that. That's all I ever have been here. It's all I ever will be here. Yet... Hugo Lloris hasn't used that to be to to all of a sudden have a demise. So I I get what you mean. Mm. I I get that Courtois turns round and it's an argument I've put about some of the players that Spurs have been linked with previously that I don't think the player I don't I don't think Adele Ali for instance would look at Max Meyer say and be like you're going to take my first team place mm. and I think that's a dangerous place to be in if you're bringing players in that are just going to settle for that. At the same time, I think they're there clearly is there clearly are examples like Vaughan where he is clearly at a level where Larice 
has been, you know, pushed to a degree. But yet he knows that he's, he really is in complete command over that number one jersey at Spurs. I think with Loris, he knows if he makes complete cock-ups, then he would get dropped, as in like a series of them. But yeah, he's probably safe for one-off. But what, so how old's Courtois? 24-ish. So in term, goalkeeping terms, he's still very yeah. young, isn't he? He's very much learning the game and yeah. he's going to have patches where he's bit naff I mean mm. even Buffon I remember having patches where it was a bit crap yeah I mean the thing is it's just that thing of Cavalera only got into the city side because Claudio Bravo was just atrocious <laughs> so that's the only reason why it was like it got to the point okay he has to come in now I just that was the thing over the summer transfer window there was the one thing they you know they signed straight away Cavalera number two goalkeeper bang in and you would love to have some seed to go after like a Jordan Pickford or someone like that just an up and coming or a seasoned goalkeeper even the likes of Tom Heaton or someone like that just to just to push him a little bit to think that right okay there Tom is Tom Heaton might have been, become another Ross Turnbull at Chelsea yeah but he's a seasoned he's now becoming a seasoned Premier League goalkeeper yep. he's, a, he's a good goalkeeper as well and he would have at least pushed him to a new level yep. even potentially going for Joe Hart something like that you know really just keep him on his toes and I just think there isn't that um, he's still a quality goalkeeper Courtois but I just think he's not he's not gone to the next level that maybe some players some fans might have thought he would have been Okay, on to the Spurs questions Um, after Danny Rose's explosive newspaper interview last (laughs) week um, yes I have completely sensationalised does he does he have a long term future at Spurs for you he's Poch's son isn't he (laughs) no he's um it's 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 he's one of those players. If anyone was going to get away with it, it probably is Danny Rose, purely because he is, you know, Poch does like Ben Davies, and he's always kind of raving about how, you know, how important he's been, kind of waiting patiently for his chance. But ultimately, Danny Rose is. We we're just talking about having a number two to push you, and while he does push him to a degree, Danny Rose is so far ahead. I think he, that's probably why he felt that he could go and do that interview because he could get away with it. I think the only... Do you reckon he Googled Ben Davis when they signed him? <laughs> many, many people probably would have had to Google uh, Danny Rose when he yeah. first signed, well, to be honest is, with you. that is a completely fair point. And I think that's... Did, how disrespectful did you think that's those the comments one. were? That's the comment. I think out of everything you could take out of that, that was the one where he kind of screwed himself over. Mm. I, mean, if he, I mean, if you're Vincent Janssen... Oh, massively. No. Well, most players in the Spurs team, you know. Yeah. It's... That's the point of Spurs. They've been built up from, you know, Deli Alley. Who in the hell knew about Deli Alley? You know, a few people knew about this young kid at MK Dons that was ripping it up, but probably couldn't tell you. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, I just thought if he'd just gone on the transfers, I think the players would have said, oh, yeah, we'd like to see some big names. That's great. If he'd, you know, he talked up uh, Ross Barkley, didn't he? He talked up Pochettino. Obviously, those bits were kind of buried a bit. Bloody Google comment because it did. Mm. It slated so many and You players. know how he would have said it as well. He would have said it as an off the cuff, jokey yeah. sort of thing, but. You, you've got to be smarter than that, that you, as a, as a and it riled Poch I, I mean yeah. I, I missed the press conference but everyone's told me when someone joked about the uh, Google thing and said oh would you have to Google him Poch went a little bit mental at that he said he said, no it's no joke that's you know that was disrespectful that mm. was the one that's and he's he's a lucky boy that he's injured in a way because well, he would have been dropped I think for a few weeks at least that's the most sort of confusing part about it he's been out for six months he's not yeah. played the game of football for six months. Mm-hmm. There's, he, he's still injured. Nobody is going to sign him this window because he is injured. Of all the players that are entitled to, mm. to, to these new deals at, at the levels that, you know, all the pundits and fans think Alderweireld might, you know, is it in today's market worth more than a hundred grand a week? You know, yeah. Deli Ali is, Christian Eriksen is. I mean, Danny Rose right now. Given he hasn't been able yeah. to, you know, prove his performance levels, is is not in that bracket. But back back on the first of January, you would have said yes, he he definitely mm. is. But he's just he's had such a long a long mm. time out. Same as Lamella, you you can't see Lamella coming out and saying it's he wants timing. to move. Yeah. Timing is the key word. I'm Rose was seeing on the sidelines while the team were trying to win a Premier League title, win an FA Cup, weren't they? And he wasn't he wasn't around to help them. And then he's talking about winning titles, and it's like exactly. hold on a little yeah. bit. I'm interested in what you said about because it's Danny Rose, he, he, he probably gets away with a little bit. Do you think Pochettino is conscious of the comments Spurs fans had for Rose prior to Pochettino being there, and the kind of the difficult relationship that? the player had with with the fans do you think that 
possibly plays into it a little bit. Possibly. I mean, this is opinion more than more than fact. That, but I just ne- have never felt that Danny Rose has any great affection for Tottenham Hotspur. I think he would, really. Would, does that therefore mean that you could see him? leaving oh in, in terms of not because they've wanted to get rid of him but I could see next summer if Spurs don't win anything as we were saying earlier I think Danny Rose would be one of the ones who's going to be top of the list to um, to be out the door but yeah it's just the whole Danny Rose fans relationship has always been a really funny one every interview we've ever had with him in the mix zone he's brought up this flack he got from fans when he signed that new deal when he was a bit crap and just everyone's reaction to that. And it's, yeah, it's a really weird relationship with Danny Rose and the fans. And he's getting called a snake. It's odd because most of the fans have been calling for exactly the same things. Yeah, he's getting called a snake and all this. It's, it's, but that's because of the way he done it. Oh, yeah. You know, and, we're led to believe he, he asked for the interview. Yeah. And it was done apparently three weeks ago as well. So that's been held on to very deliberately to just kind of yeah, throw that. that grenade in there just before the first game of the season. It's just, it's just daft. It's just daft. Second question, yes. slightly more, slightly more pleasant. Uh, just on Carl Walker Peters. Do Spurs still need <laughs> a new right back in your mind? They've been linked with Serge Aurier, who we'll come on to in a minute. Um, Hal Cancelo at Valencia. Um, Toljan at Hoffenheim's another name that's been linked. Do you think they should go for another one? I would. It's not really answering the question, but I'd rather have another left back than another right back. Oh, kind of on, does answer the question. You just answered the third question as well. <laughs> but I said a couple of weeks ago on the last podcast that we will need to rethink this if Trippier or Carl Walker Peters gets injured. That is that's exactly what's happened. But I'm I'm happy enough with Carl Walker Peters playing while Trippier's out and having the backup the likes of um, Eric Dyer or I, I, Kevin, I Kevin Wimmer even as a right back not as a right back oh, but to allow other players to sort of come in and right. I find um, the Dyer one interesting though because he is he is a replacement but only in one formation so yeah. so if if they were to lose both Trippier and, and Walker Peters that limits what Pochettino can do in terms of his system. Musa Sissoko. <laughs> <laughs> Hello over there. <laughs> Are you beckoning him into the room? Hey, Poch has even said it. That's his one of his right wing back options if needed. And yeah. Does that for you? Sissoko is a right wing back. He played there against Leicester in the big win. Does, does that for yeah. you <laughs> influence whether, whether you think Spurs need a new, a new right back? Well, my feelings on the right-back scenario is that... And I've still got an actual feeling that Spurs will go for another right-back, but I don't think they need to. I think you've got Walker-Peters and Trippier. Trippier's going to be back soon. It's not a long-term thing. Which positions would you strengthen? Oh, I haven't finished my right-back thing. That's a really great point. That was a great point. That's massively overing it. But (laughs) Sanchez that they're looking to bring in, which looks like it's going to happen, he can cover right-back as well. So that's another backup for Trippier-Walker-Peters. So that's why I don't think they do need, but I think they will, unfortunately. Which will massively block and stagnate all computers. Um, where do I see them being needed? I see them needing uh, attacking central midfielders up there. As we said earlier, put pressure on Ali and Ericsson. I still, well, if you'd asked me 48 hours ago, I would have said Ross Barkley would still be coming in this window. But I think we're all waiting on these scan results. And if he's done something serious, I think that's that's him going to be out the window, if you'll pardon the expression. But, uh, yeah, I don't know about that one. I, th- I think that's that's going to harm that. And I, I think that's a massive blow, because I think Spurs have kind of worked around that being their key signing this summer. It's Poch, one that Danny Rose wanted as well. He did want him. Poch loves him from everything I understand. Alternatives? I mean, all the ones being talked up are more kind of deeper roles, aren't they? Diop, I think he plays in a more deeper role. And you'd imagine, I think, I think he would be a smart sign in that. I think getting another central midfield option for the longer term would make sense. But he, he by all accounts, he's not a player that's going to make a first team impact. He's Josh Orma. Essentially, essentially yeah. Josh um, So maybe a centre back, a central midfielder, and a more attack-minded midfielder. Yeah, I mean, there's the one that Spurs have 
kind of I understand that they haven't gone for, and I just think that it's Kovacic at Real Madrid. You know, they, they're not going to keep him. Zidane likes him, but I think he's going to go, and I think he'd be perfect. Exactly that. I don't think he'd have big wages. I don't think he'd cost a load. But hey, I'm not Daniel Levy. Third question. <laughs> well, Statement of the year. Uh, I'm not Daniel Levy. I'm a little bit taller. Uh, th- there was another question about Cole going out on loan, but I think we both kind of answered no. that, that he should not go out on loan. So yeah. we, we'll, we'll gloss over that. Just finally for um, Spurs Q&As, um, a few questions about Serge Aurier. He's been linked... PSG right back who's out of favour now they've got Mounier the Belgian um, but obviously Dani Alves one of their big summer signings along with Neymar so he's kind of out in the cold a little bit Aurier Um, I think there's been a real mixture of reaction from Spurs fans because a lot of them are concerned that the kind of disruptive character that he is would be a, a negative influence on the squad but also there's some people who think he's a genuinely you know not world class, but he, mm. he's he's a very good player who's just been kind of outcast at PSG, and despite his grievances, would would improve Tottenham in that area. What do you think? I won't go near him with a barge pole. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> that's what we're going to tie oh, on the podcast. Seriously, I mean, Ollie and I were discussing this earlier, and he, he kind of made a really good comparison. It's essentially he's, he's Balotelli at right back. Just the guy has had so many problems. Every coach, pretty much, he's rubbed up the wrong way. He's slagged off teammates. He's got in trouble with the police. And I think he's up for. I've just said this is only what I think, but I'm sure there's some kind of assault well, things. He's in denied the a work permit, wasn't he, to come he's to, denied to, a wo- to play against yep. Arsenal, wasn't he? Was yep. it? There is honestly like a list of reasons not to sign this guy. You've got such a tight knit, great dressing room at Spurs. It would be like chucking a grenade in there. Just no, 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 no. no. I hope they sign him. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, mate, thank you for joining me today, lads. I think that's been a, a pretty comprehensive podcast, to be honest with you. Plenty of talking points in there. We've we've gone from talking about Morata's debut to um, Christian Eriksen's performance, transfers, Carl Walker-Peters' yeah. performance, Conte. <laughs> Ollie, not happy with that sound effect the in the Walker background. Carl Walker-Peters, yay. No, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to call the Spurs podcast the Carl Walker Peters podcast from now on. There's awesome. a there's a there's a reference to it in, in <laughs> Pretty much every everyone. podcast, I think. Um but as as I said, thank you very much for joining us, lads. Um yeah, really really enjoyed today. <laughs> Even though it's been an hour and five minutes <laughs> of our of our time. It's it's been uh, very good, so thank you. Cheers.